ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's episode of the Big Footy Bombercast. I'm your host, Sponsor34. I am joined this week by the man who's come back from beyond the grave, and that is Grizz. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, Bonds. Back from the grave is tad strong, but I am back kicking. I'm happy to have some bombers back on TV, although listening to the lead-up to AFLW season with Crowded House last week was really enjoyable. But um, yeah, unfortunately, the, the boys couldn't get the chocolates on Friday night, despite the occasion. Yeah, so, so we'll talk about the game in a moment, but I'll, I will just preface it by saying I found the game very boring to watch, but I'll explain mm. why in just a short moment. What I'm actually interested in is, is your opinion on the pre-game. So, so I'll, I'll be honest, I'll say right now, I actually didn't mind the pre-game. I enjoyed it. And, and I get there's people out there that are frustrated because, you know, oh, they're living in the past. But at the end of the day, it's our 150th anniversary. It was, the, it was the big party. So whether we were, you know, nine and two or two and nine, as unfortunately we were, um, we were always going to have a, a some sort of celebration and, and okay things aren't going well now but that doesn't mean obviously you don't celebrate the past so I thought it was good and I didn't have any issues with it but but what were your thoughts? Yeah so I actually enjoyed it I thought yeah it was a bit nostalgic which is the whole point of the exercise 150 years is a big achievement like there's sporting clubs all over the world that are 150 years old and we talk about teams in America and the, and the Premier League in England and half the teams in Europe soccer teams in Europe wouldn't be 150 years old so I think it's meant to be a little bit corny a little bit nostalgic but I enjoyed it I sort of separated it completely from the game and enjoyed it for what it was and seeing guys like Hurd and Lloyd and Danaher there I actually sort of enjoyed it the the game didn't sort of dampen it for me and it's a proud thing being around for 150 years and I think people who get stuck about it you know we're being stuck in the past or I think you just look at something to be upset about that's the whole point of celebrating your 150th anniversary yeah I was interested to see the way that uh, James Hurd was received and I I tell you what, it wouldn't have surprised me if halfway through his walkout that um, Xavier Campbell had just announced that we were about to re-sign him as coach because oh. it, was, <laughs> it was a very interesting, it was a very interesting reception, and, and it's certainly something that I've never really given much credence to. But after seeing how well he was received and the smoke and all that sort of stuff, I, I did suddenly realise that. Um, yeah, it probably wouldn't surprise me if, if uh, truck was moved on for James we'll Hurd. But, but we'll, we won't have be... to. Yeah, we'll have to have that conversation at some point because I'd be fascinated to know your views on it. Uh, we will touch on that conversation, I think, if if it is a if required. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but we will move straight to the game. So I, I said that I thought it was a fairly boring game, and, and the reason I thought it was boring was because. It was very end-to-end, and there wasn't much really going on, especially in terms mm. of the scoreboard. If you look at the second half, you know, we kicked two goals, eight. Carlton kicked three goals, four. It was a bit of a snooze fest, really. I mean, that, that's, that second quarter when they got on top and kicked five, three to two, two, that, that lost the game. Other than that, I thought we matched it with them, which is pleasing in one aspect because, obviously, you know, Chera went down for them, but we obviously lost Darcy. So there's, there's, they sort of cancelled each other out. So, you know, at the end of the day, you look at it and go, well, Carlton are a top four side. We ran with them for probably two and three quarters as it's it's not a bad result but it just it just wasn't a game that filled me with I don't know any any moment I never really thought we were in it yeah you, you I what you finished on is exactly what I was about to say like BT and Luke Hodge were trying their best on the telecast to, to amp it up but at no point did I seriously think we we're sort of in a position to challenge Carlton they got out to about that four goal lead at half time and it never really got closer than 22 23 points we seemed to match them in the contest the contested possessions and the clearances were really close but they had 60 more uncontested possessions and 33 more marks. And that was indicative of what was happening. As soon as they got it out to the outside of the contest, they were just slaughtering us on transition. Um, and when we got it out of the contest,
contest. It was a real battle to get upfield. And Carlton are probably where we're looking to be in two, a couple of years' time. I mean, their key position stocks with McKay and Kerno and Silvani and Wiedering when he's fit. You know, their, their key position stocks are right in that sweet spot and they just sort of tortured us 1v1. And that was partly because of their system, which was better than ours, but also, you know, we're just... If we can't defend in space, I don't know whether our running power is low. We're just completely unorganized. It's probably a combination of everything. But at no point where we're really in the match. I, I didn't even when we were sort of level with them at quarter time. It felt a bit artificial, to be honest. I didn't really feel. I felt like Carlton were going to whip away with it at, at any point. But with the games for the rest of the season, I don't know where you're at, but I'm not really looking at the win loss column. If we get blown out by 80 points, I'm going to get concerned. But um, I'm really looking at sort of individual performances, who's performing well. I thought Dylan Shield had his best game in two years. He was outstanding for us, winning a lot of clearances. Uh, he laid 10 tackles, so the physicality was back. Eight clearances, 10 tackles, busting a gut to get back defensively, which is really good to see. I also think Sammy Draper had, um, had his best game all year as well. He was taking contested marks, kicked a couple of goals, dominating the ruck, with the exception of that sort of free kick against Crips in the opposition goal square. But yeah, I thought those two would probably stand out. Yeah, I thought somebody said to me during the game that Draper was either... um... He was either he was either playing like Billy Smets or he was playing like Wayne Carey. There was no in between. He had some yes. really good moments, and then he had some absolute <laughs> shockers that just left you going, "What is he thinking?" So, yeah. you know, but you're right. He did play his best game of the year. So full credit to him. And Dylan Shield, I thought was as you said, was was also very good. And I mean, his tackling numbers were up, obviously, but over the year, he's he's actually been one of our more prolific tacklers. And I think that's I think people just forget that because they just want to yell about how he doesn't run both ways and he doesn't do this and he doesn't do that because they, they they just want to talk about the fact we gave up two first round draft picks um no, which is certainly not dylan shield's fault so <laughs> i think sometimes the fact that you know he probably is playing a little bit better than what's given credit for is missed but yeah no he, he was outstanding on, on friday night and it did come about with darcy being off uh, yeah off, which which is which is interesting it, it might be a little concerning. Are we, are we seeing the sort of issue that Hawthorne have had with Mitchell and Warple can't play together? Yeah. Well, it's interesting because Darcy had his best year last year where Dylan basically missed the entire season. Mm-hmm. And Dylan plays his best game of the year when Darcy goes off in the first quarter. There's a legitimate question here of, well, okay, are there too many cooks in the kitchen in terms of the midfielders and whether sort of Parrish and Shield play too similar a role? Yeah, and I don't think that's exclusive to those guys either because it has sort of sure. been said before that we do have a very similar midfield in that yeah. you know, Merritt, Merritt can also go... He, I mean, Merritt can get 40 touches without even thinking about it if he really wants to. He, he seems to have stopped that sort of play, though. He doesn't seem to just rack up the touches yeah. for the sake of racking them up. I think he's yielded that to Darcy, and as a result, I think Zach's disposal is a lot more damaging now. I think when he gets the ball, it's more noticeable because he, he's... He's probably um, picking better options than, than what he was doing previously. Yep. Um, I, I just don't think Dylan Shield or Darcy Parrish have that string to their bow like Zach does. And then you throw in an Andrew McGrath, who I actually still think if you just let Andrew McGrath be a ball hunter instead of defensive mid, I think he could also yep. rack up the touches with ease. You know, So there is that concern, as it has been for a while now, the point of difference. The other one that I do want to mention, though, and I, and I thought it was great for his... You know, he hasn't played a great deal of footy this year and he, he hasn't played much AFL, but I thought Harrison Jones really gave us something mm. Friday night. Yeah. And he clearly was something that the, uh, the side's been missing for a while. Unfortunately, big two-meter Peter, after all the raps we've given him, has sort of disappeared a little bit. 
yeah. a lot of that is to do with the fact that we're now sitting the ball in his head instead of putting it down in front of him. But it's also to do with the fact that he's, his lead patterns are a little bit, I don't want to say lazy, but he has done a lot of what I don't like from a forward, which is stand and point. I don't like forwards at yep. a standard point. You have to move. At some point, you yep. have to move. And he's yeah. doing that right now. He's standing, pointing. Then when it's coming, he's stopping, standing, and trying to take the, yeah. the mark above everyone else because he's two metres tall. So, you know, I, yeah. I thought Jones just gave us that point of difference. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll touch on right first. I think teams have figured out his one wood, which is what you said, running and jumping at the football that's out in front of him. And they're now, and they're now blocking his run. They're, they're working on the basis of, Okay, if Peter Wright kicks six, there a chance. If we can stop Peter Wright, we'll let, you know, <laughs> Matt Guelphy and Devin Smith beat us if they can, or, you know, whoever it was, Francis, or whoever was playing forward. We'll stop Wright kicking six and see if the rest of them can beat us, which they can't, um, which is why, mate, which is what makes Harrison Jones so important. Really just straightens us up from a structural point of view. Took up a really good contested marks, which is good to see. That ankle doesn't look like he's bothering him. Goal kicking was better this week. I think I can mount a pretty good argument that he's our most important or probably our most valuable player over the next five years. Um, I think if Harry Jones turns into the forward, I think he can be. Our trajectory is a lot better. Whereas if he you know, continues to get injured, I think we're in a bit of spot of bother. I think he might be our most sort of important player to get right in the next five years. But he was, yeah, he's showing signs. Two goals, which is pretty good considering the delivery on the weekend. Oh, I think, you know, he, we probably still need another genuine forward. I think Draper and Phillips resting forward just doesn't do it. I think, you know, Stuart played forward on the weekend and seemed to do it pretty well. Maybe you bring him in, play three genuine tall forwards with Stuart or right in the ruck, chopping them out um, just as a different look. But um, I thought, you know, Caldwell and Shield had moments. Archie Perkins just needs to play the rest of the season in the midfield. I don't care who you have to kick out the rotation to do it. Um, but Perkins just needs to play as a midfield. He's one of the more dynamic players we have in there when he's there. But I think there were just a lot of effort, which is fine. But once again, and we said this against Richmond, said it multiple times this year, effort was there execution really bad <laughs> and Carlton just sliced us up. Yeah, so I'm glad you actually mentioned him because I was about to bring up the fact that James Stewart, and you see he did pretty well. I think that's underselling it, to be honest, in the VFL. He he had a, he had a bit <laughs> of a day out. He, he did play that, that centre-half forward role. He had 22 touches, kicked three goals, two, two took eight marks, laid, laid a few tackles. He was very impressive up forward. And I know that he's been playing full back for us, but obviously now I think they've decided, look, Zach Reed's going to be down there. Laverde's going to be down there. I still think we need to bring Zerk Thatcher in because I still think we're playing one too many short if we're going to get Ridley to play that that third t- tall role. Or Brand. Or Brand. Brand, was yeah, Brand, yeah. Brand also had a ripping game on the weekend in the VFL. You're right. So James Stewart, yeah, look, I think he comes in this week. If he comes in, he comes in as a forward. I, I do think that probably means that Sauce Phillips, who hasn't done a lot wrong since he came in. But then again, yep. I didn't think Nick Bryan had done a lot wrong since he came in either. But they've, they've <laughs> yes. clearly decided that, that Draper's going to be the number one ruck come hella high water. So, so I think Phillips comes out. And it does mean that you can put right into the ruck. Now, we've both been reluctant to do that because it meant that we had nobody else to kick to. But now you've got Jones yep. and potentially Stewart down there. And I, and I wouldn't be putting Stewart in the ruck. I just don't think that translates well at AFL level. Um, yep. I think you can afford to have Peter go in there for, you know, five minutes to, to chop out type thing. Yeah, especially with Stringer in the forward line again as well. You and I were reticent, I think, to put him in 
the ruck because we said no strokes shall forward the ball, but you bring in Stewart, you know, right rucks. You've still got Stewart, Jones and Stringer ahead of the ball. That's more than enough um, firepower in terms of your tools to, to at least structure yourself up in a way which is going to be efficient going forward. And I wonder if we get two genuine key forwards up there at all times, we might see a bit faster ball movement. But talking about VFL, I don't know if you watched much about the VFL, but we had our two mid-season draft boys in there. In Massimo D'Ambrosio, I feel like I've butchered that name. I said it horrifically poorly, but... um, and, and Jai Menzi. I thought Menzi did okay for a small forward. He kicked a couple of snags, which I was surprised to see. I, I don't remember him kicking them, but it's probably a sign of a good small forward. It was a scrappy game for a, a crumbing forward. The ball was sort of um, getting hung up in the air everywhere, and it was pretty uh, sort of between the arcs sort of game. But I thought D'Ambrosio was outstanding, and we could really use him coming off half back at the moment. Just his risk-taking, his ball use was really good. Yeah, I think you're right. I have a feeling that he will play this week. I don't want to go so far as to say I'd lock it in, but I'd be stunned if he didn't make his debut yeah. on Friday night against the Saints and maybe even Menzies as well because we do still lack that precious small forward. So if he's able to yeah. come in and do it. The, the other one that I do want to touch on for VFL, and I'll, I'll come back to um, Denverosio in a moment, is the man I mentioned just before in Zerk Thatcher. I just want to quickly point out, so for anyone that doesn't really pay attention to the VFL, Zerk Thatcher actually, at, as a defender, had 25 disposals and took 11 marks. He's one of the best intercept marks in the VFL you will see coming around. He looks like Steve. He looks like Stephen Silvani at VFL level. It's un, it's un, yeah. it's uncanny how dominant he is at VFL level. And then and then he steps up the AFL and it's like he loses all that confidence. So, you know, I just it's just uh, oh, there's a lot of talk that he's going to get delisted. And all. Just just watch a VFL game. You'll see what we're talking about. And <laughs> yeah. look, okay, I get that not every player translates from VFL to AFL, but. When you're that good at VFL level, at some point it's got to click at the AFL level. Now I don't know whether that's going to be with us or if it, you know, someone else. I mean, I don't know if you noticed, but Ned Cale actually kicked a couple of goals for Carlton in the VFL on the weekend, which was interesting. Oh. Uh, poor, poor old little Ned who couldn't get a game with us. But, but just back on um, the, the the two mid-season draft pickups, I, I'll be honest in saying that at the time when we took D'Ambrosio, I was a little bit disappointed because look, he's a great and look, he does look like he's going to be a good player, so. I'm more than happy to um, back him in. I'm not about to say that I think he's going to be, you know, no good because that would be absolutely ridiculous. But I just looked at that and went, I don't know about another flanker because I don't just know how much we love our flankers. I actually really want to get <laughs> Josh, Josh Carmichael from who ended up at yeah. because he obviously for obvious reasons, he's the big body mid who can kick goals. But, yeah. you know, after seeing him in the VFL, the way he played, the way his left foot works, it was very Daniel Rich-like. Yeah, he, was, he wasn't expressly quick, but he knew when to go. He was very decisive. And when you're not naturally lightning fast, you can make up for that by being a really quick decision maker and moving the ball on quick and just you know making quick decisions and disposing of it quickly because you can't outrun the ball. And that's what he seemed to do really well. Alistair Lord, and he seemed to have a really good combination running off halfback, but probably the best game I've seen Alistair Lord play as well. With the mid-season draft strategy, we haven't sort of talked about this since it happened, but it almost seems like we wanted Jai Cully, and if we weren't going to get Jai Cully as a big-body midfielder, we were just going to take the guy we thought was going to be the best player long-term, which in the mid-season draft is probably the best strategy considering how the, the strike rate on these players are so low, although we seem to be better at picking up 
SSP and mid-season draft rookies and we do it actually drafting players. So maybe we should just <laughs> not draft anyone and have five mid-season rookie draft picks every year. But yeah, it's interesting. There must be something about Carmichael we didn't like. Oh, I know Harlequin Dream mentioned that he he's a big body, but he's probably more outside than inside, probably, which I, I don't know if that factored into our thinking, but I'm just, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what Dodoro is doing at, at the best of times, but you just have to assume that they're going to look at a big-bodied mid at the end of the year. But I think D'Ambrosio looks an inspired choice. And Jai Menti, like I said, kicked a couple of snags in a, a day which wasn't good for small forwards. So, you know, maybe we'll see both of them. We, we definitely need a crummer. The ball was hitting the ground on the weekend and Carlton were just sort of walking it out. <laughs> so yeah. we desperately need him. And I love Matt Guelphie, but I posted this on the game day thread. He must be the slowest decision, the worst decision maker on our list. Like he... He cracks in, wins a footy, fantastic, but man alive, he takes forever to make a decision um, and it's almost invariably the wrong one, but especially by foot. So we need someone forward to send it. It just has a bit more guile, I think. Yeah, well, we, if Darcy doesn't get up and all talks are early that he won't, then obviously we do have room to, to bring somebody in. And at the moment, I think Dan Rosie will come in. I think Waterman probably goes out as well. And if Waterman goes out, then Menzies, I think, would get the look in there. Or even even Durham. As much as I love um, Sammy Durham, he was not great on Friday night. His attack on the ball is still very, very good, but he just doesn't get enough of it at the moment. Um, the McGrath to come back in as well. Is that yeah, groin? McGrath as well. That's right. Now, there'll be a couple of changes for Friday night. But actually, if, just before we uh, move on, I will just point out my, my man, Nick Bryan, had 45 hit outs and dominated the ruck in the VFL on uh, the weekend. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, sorry, can we just quickly talk about Cody Brand? We can, absolutely. Yeah, I think just, I, I, just a couple minutes. Best game I've seen him play. On the weekend, I watch. I try to watch the VFL most weeks. Really assured by foot, really strong intercept games. It's actually uncanny how much he looks like Dustin Fletcher at this point, with the hunch over the shoulders and the light hair and the skinny frame. I really hope he debuts before the end of the year because he's coming in leaps and bounds. I thought, yeah, he and Zerk Thatcher absolutely destroyed. Carlton's tall forwards on the weekend. And, and, you know, Crocker, who is their full forward, is probably one of the form forwards in the competition. And he got absolutely blanketed by Zerk Thatcher and Brand. So I just thought, you know, it's been a rough trot in the VFL this year, but we're starting to see a few guys, particularly the VFL-listed guys, starting to develop a bit. And that's where we might hopefully see some improvement in the seniors when there's a bit more competition for spots as guys get healthy. Guys like Snelling and Langford, McGrath, those sorts of guys get back. Hopefully we'll we'll start seeing a stronger VFL team and and some more competition for spots. Yeah, the VFL program definitely needs some work in the off-season, regardless of whether people come back yeah. because we have gone from a very strong one to a very poor one and and just on Cody Brand I, I think I said earlier in the year that I was pretty keen for him to, to come in if I didn't say it on here I certainly said it on the board that I thought you know he, he'd probably done enough to get a spot so if they can bring him in give us another look at a bit of, bit of the future that would be fantastic but Grizz I will get you to bring up the and I'm going to label it your pet project because I, I believe it was your idea so the all-time Essendon 22 that we were going to discuss we did Last time we discussed this, which was the last podcast we were part of, ask for the nominations from people for who they would have 
in the last line of defense in our best 22 since 2000. Yeah, so just a bit of fun. Um, I thought 150 years, the club's doing celebration. We won't go back 150 years because I don't have any expertise of anything earlier than about 1995. But <laughs> I was really looking forward to arguing why Albert Thurgood should have been full forward instead of Matthew Lloyd with you. <laughs> well, I'll let you make that argument because I have no evidence <laughs> to the contrary. Um, <laughs> but I thought... Best 22 since 20, in 22. So since 2000, the best 22 players will pick them line by line. So the full back line, back pocket, full back, left back pocket. A couple of auspices here. We're, we're taking form since 2000. So James Heard probably makes the pick, but we're not picking 1996 James Heard. We're picking 2000 onwards James Heard. Now James Heard makes it for team anyway because he was a premiership captain in 2000. But just to get an idea, sort of Michael Long pre-2000 was probably better than post 2000, but we're, we're judging 2000 onwards. So um, the full back line, I, I have six nominees. Now I'm happy for you to to debate that another nominee should be added or whatever. I've got four our nominees on the full back line. I've got Dustin Fletcher, Kyle Hooker, Mark Johnson, Sean Wellman, Dean Solomon. And this is going to be, I don't know if I'm going to get hounded down for this, but prime Mark Bagley. Um, not Mark Bagley the last two or three years of his career when we tried to shift him forward, but more at his best back pocket Mark Bagley. What What's your thoughts on that six? Do you have any additions, any subtractions to that six? Well, the other two that got mentioned on the board came in from Jamie, and he's also added Jake Carlisle, which I don't think is a bad shout, um, but he's also put in Mel Michael, and um, which again is not a bad shout, but I don't think we can count Mel's form at Brisbane. If we were to take Mel Michael's Brisbane form since 2000 into account, I think he would definitely make the line. But but I think um, <laughs> yeah. from the point of view, the fact that we uh, got him to retire and then come back unretire and turn up to our pre-season training. Uh, look, he was good while he was with us, but he probably wasn't the best of the last 22 years. He's not He's not out. He's not getting rid of any of that. those sort of six that we mentioned. Um, I had Jake Carlisle as a halfback, but we can. I think that the back six are sort of malleable. We can sort of consider him in either. Right, let's start with some locks. So I think, am I correct in assuming that Dustin Fletcher is a lock? Yeah, I think he, I think you have to lock in Fletcher. Yeah, so I would have him locked in at fullback. So Dustin Fletcher, obviously, games record holder at Essendon, four hundred games. One of only, I think it's five guys now to have done it, or four guys four. to, uh, I think, yeah, four guys to have done yeah. it. It's Bartlett, um, Fletcher, and Harvey. Yeah, um, yeah, a cult oh, hero. And Burgoyne, sorry, Burgoyne got to four hundred, didn't he? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's why yeah, I thought sorry. it was five. My, yeah, I think, my apologies. Boomer and Burgoyne got there um, after Fletch. So 400 games, 400 plus games, the best kick out in Essendon history. Um, <laughs> lots of memories. I remember being at the MCG when he was charging through centre square, kicked the goal from about 75 metres out, just about blew the lid off the MCG. You know, the inspector gadget himself. I, I think he walks into this team and gets picked. So uh, are we going with a sort of three tall defenders um, in in sort of the modern day? No, look. So I think so. I think you, I, I think you're right in terms of Carlisle. I think he 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 probably sits on that that, that half back line. Um, the other one I'd have locked in. I would say would be Kale Hooker. Yep, I'm happy to to discuss that one. But yeah, Kale's a, a yeah a good shout because purely, purely because you do. I think you do have that that. I don't want to call it second tall on the line, but we'll, we'll call it, say the second tall because because Kale's a very good intercept marker. He he's a very yep. good read the play. So so between him and Fletch, I think you've sort of locked down in there. I think they would be able to play those roles. 
Yeah, I think Dustin has that ability to play sm- tall and small, which helps. My only thought with Kale was he spent a couple years of his prime as a forward, and I'm just not sure. Like, you know, maybe the Adam Hunter-style swingman is important. The the other nominations, Mark Johnson, Dean Solomon. I, I'm going to actually rule out Bagley because I don't think if we're going to pick a back pocket, we're not going to pick John Bagley over Mark Johnson. We're not. Um, I agree with that right away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I just included sort of six defenders and I thought as a genuine small defender, Bagley is probably the second or third best after Johnson and Solomon. So if we're going to pick Hooker in the back pocket, it leaves only one other position on the full back line between Mark Johnson, Sean Wellman and Dean Solomon. So. I think for me, the discussion is Kyle Hooker or Shaw Wellman. And then the other pocket is Mark Johnson or Dean Solomon. Where do you lean on yeah. those two debates? Yeah, so so I, I give it to I give it to Johnson and, and, and Hooker only because when Wellman played, he had Dustin Fletcher at fullback. So Wellman very much played center half back. He, he he played that center half back role, which is where I think he'll end up slotting in in this team potentially. Having said that, I still think Jake Carlos is not a bad shout at centre back, although he didn't do that a lot in his prime with us. Also, we do have Michael Hurley, he's another one. I was about to say, Michael Hurley is yeah. a two time All Australian. Um, but look, yeah, I think purely if you're going to go with where they played, I, I think I think Hooker probably played that last defender a lot more than Wellman did, which is why I'd have him there. And as good as, as hard as Dean Solomon was, I don't think there was a better back pocket player for probably a good four or five year stretch there for Mark Johnson. I, I think he gets left out a lot compared yeah. to his his uh his not brother Jason Johnson when we talk about <laughs> talk about hard nuts who who hit the ball. Um and yeah. again you got Damien Hardwick as another one who Oh, actually, yeah. Play. I don't know why. I don't know why I went Bagley ahead of Damien Hardwick. That's sacrilege. Oh, Damien Hardwick again, I think is probably the next line up rather than, than deep fullback because I, I do have memories of, of, of Mark Johnson being that last man. I, 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 if you look at the um, 2000 grand final, I'd be fairly confident in saying that Mark Johnson went to Jeff Farmer and, and kept him relatively quiet in that game as opposed to anyone else. Yeah. I, I, Mark Johnson's a good shout. Very good small defender. I think he won a best and fairest to the or if not, he came very close, um, finished second a couple of times. Uh, a classic sheedy sort of back pocket. I, I think, yeah, it was tough for me. Like Dean Solomon, people think of Dean Solomon as this thug, and he was when he, by the time he went to Fremantle. There's no debating that. But prime Dean Solomon from 2000, 2002 was an exceptional footballer. Yeah, a really good size, a lot thinner than what I remember when he went to Fremantle. He basically turned into key position size by the time he finished up with us. But in his prime, he was an f- absolute specimen, a real hard nut. He and Mark Johnson on that fullback line in the 2000 grand final were terrifying. <laughs> Could you imagine being a small forward going down and you've got Hardwick, Johnson and Solomon walking towards you? You'd just about pack it in, wouldn't you? Like, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, and, and you're right. He was... He was- amazing at that point but um i think you sort of summed it up well when you said we talked about johnson the best and fairest because he did win the best and fairest in 2002 yep. so um for mine I, I yeah i'd go i i would go kyle hooker uh dustin fletcher and, and then mark johnson as the as the third yeah yeah it was sort of Mark Johnson, when he went to Fremantle, I remember thinking that was one of the weirdest things that when, do you remember there was that period where, 
it seemed like everyone in our team was going to frame Anvil. There was Mark Johnson, Dean Solomon, Kepler Bradley, <laughs> Adam McPhee went back there. Like, it, it just seemed like all our players sort of got traded to Fremantle at one point in time. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know if I can argue with any of those players, to be honest. Oh, I loved Dean Solomon, and maybe he, you know, he's that seventh defender, but I think that seventh defender spot, I think since 2000, defence has been our strongest position in terms of, like, the quality of players we've had there. I think there's a few forwards that pick themselves, but I think there's probably greater depth in defence, and I think that seventh defender position when we pick, it's going to be hot, hotly contested. So, all right, well, for the 22 in 22, officially the full back line reads Mark Johnson, Dustin Fletcher, Kyle Hooker, um, in that order. I'm, I'm happy with that full back line. That's that that's going to keep most <laughs> forward line pretty quiet, I would have thought. Yeah, and just on Mark Johnson, um, I'm not sure if you remember this, but he was actually training with North Melbourne at the end of 2007 after he got let go. By yeah. And he, was, and he was all lined up to be drafted then. And I think Frio sort of swooped out of nowhere. And then he actually managed to play his 200th against us at Docklands. So he actually managed to play his 200th at basically what was his home stadium in front of his basically home fans. And uh, we rolled them by four points just to really rub it in his face. <laughs> to rub it in. Do you, um, remember, do you remember like um, his last game? Was it his last game for us? Or maybe it was in the VFL. He wasn't, no, it was the VFL. He wasn't picked to play. He was playing for the Benigo Bombers. And he just kept on starting fights because it was Kevin Sheedy's last game. And he so desperately wanted to be in the match. And so um, the fact that he was playing VFL, he just started brawls everywhere in the VFL. I just remember, because I was, I remember watching the Benigo Bombers at the time, who was our affiliate, thinking, what is Mark Johnson doing? Yeah, yeah. So he, he actually played his last game of, uh, the week before against Richmond at the MCG when... We lost, and James Hurd said in his press conference after that was the, it'd be the first time in his career that he would have nothing to play for because um, we couldn't make finals, and mm. there was no next year. So that was a it was a weird day that one. But I think Grizz, now we've locked in that full back line. That will probably do us for this evening, mate. Um, been a pleasure as always. Uh, so obviously next week we're looking for nominations for the half back line. Yeah, I think so. We'll, we'll continue with this next week. Um, so this is obviously halfbacks and halfback, other halfback flank. And, and like we've alluded to already, this is going to be another really hotly contested line, I think. Um, some very good players are going to miss out. Yeah, so some names I'm just going to quickly throw out. Uh, uh, Michael Hurley, I mean, Adam Sahad, even though he didn't play that long for us, he was still very good at what he did. you got Damian Hardwick, even Connor McKenna. Jordan Ridley, I think, has probably got a shout somewhere in there as well. You know, Sean Wellman, Adam Ramanaskis. Yeah, Ram- Ramanaskis is another one. Um, so there's, 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 yeah, you're right. There's going to be plenty of names, I think, that could be nominated. So uh, um, by all means, reach out on the socials. Let us know who you think it is, and we'll discuss that next week. <laughs>